You're listening to The Extra Podcast, a podcast produced by Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, B.C. Each episode, we discuss a current event, a theological or cultural topic, and answer a listener's question. We take our faith seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. So we invite you to laugh with us or at us. We hope you enjoy this episode as we talk about evangelism and being a good neighbor and a whole bunch of other great stuff. If you want to learn more about Northview, go to northview.org. And if you have a question and you want us to answer in an upcoming episode, email extra at northview.org. All right, welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Adam and I'm here with Greg. Hello. Crystal. Hello. Ezra. Wow, those were just flat hellos. Mm -hmm. How are you, Adam? I'm good. Hold on. What? And we have Stephanie on the ones and twos. Hey! Does anyone know what that means? No. No. One of my no one of the podcasts I've been listening to, they say that in their introduction. For the their, ones and for twos. For their producer. Yeah. I think the ones and twos. You know, on the keys, that kind of thing. The ones the and numbers, twos? Okay. Oh, okay. The dials. Quite a new term. Put it in an urban dictionary. Yeah. So let's just jump right in. You know, for the past few weeks, we've been asking about uh, our listeners to give us feedback, what they like, what they don't like, or are they even listening? Um, and I just wanted to uh, to bring up that discussion again. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you to our uh, unnamed listener that dropped off a delicious uh, batch of scones last yes. week or the week before with a handwritten letter with a couple of questions. Uh, we're not going to answer your question, partly because we had some follow-up clarification questions about what exactly you wanted us to, to chat on. So if that's you, uh, feel free to email us and follow up. But thank you for that. We very much appreciate your questions. Um, but it's also caused us in this process to reevaluate re what this podcast is for and what we're doing here. And um, one of the things we're finding is that there are podcasts, resources, books, YouTube channels for all kinds of things with experts of all kinds talking on basically everything. So if you want a theological podcast, you can find numerous theological podcasts. If you want a cultural Christian podcast, there are those too. But for us here at Extra, maybe we can do something that is unique to us here in Abbotsford, in the Fraser Valley, in BC, as Christians. And so that's kind of where we're going to focus. So, yes, we can still do segments for listener questions. We can still talk about theological issues. We can still talk about culturally relevant topics or current events. But we're always going to try and tie it back to what that means for us here today and what our takeaway is. So uh, before we move on to our first segment, I just want to go around the circle. So if you're one of those listeners who is like, man, I come for that theological discussion or debate or the listener questions when they bring up like hot button theological issues. And is that not what we're going to get? Well, you might. And it, it, it will happen when, you know, it, it happens naturally. But I wanted to get uh, everyone's feedback around this table of, you know, Greg, if, if someone yeah. out there is looking for a really great theological podcast that dives deep on some of these issues, what's one or two of your favorites? And then we'll just go around the table. Okay, I'll give you one uh, that is from the States. Uh, it's called Knowing Faith. It's by the Village Church in Texas. Uh, they have a thing called the Village Church Institute where they do uh, theological training of their congregants. And the people who are uh, involved in leading that academy are the hosts of this podcast. So Jen Wilkin, JT English, Kyle Worley. Uh, it's great. Knowing Faith. Uh, something more local and actually newer on the scene that I've been enjoying is the Deep Thoughts podcast that Matt Schantz, a former pastor here mm -hmm. at Northview and now the mm -hmm. currently pastor at Central Chilliwack. Chilliwack yeah. uh, he has a new podcast out where he is talking about one particular, not necessarily deep theological issue, but one particular uh thing Christians believe, and he's going deeper onto that one issue, and they're about 25 minutes each, those mm, podcasts, cool. and it's been a few episodes in, and I've really enjoyed listening to it. So there's two, the Deep Things, the Deep Thoughts podcast, and also Knowing Faith. You know, the way you said Deep Thoughts, what flashed in my mind was some sort Saturday of like, Night Saturday Night Live, totally. <laughs> sort yeah. of like, this deep is thoughts. Deep Thoughts with I don't Chris, watch those, Chris Kattan. With I don't watch those chance. pagan shows. Okay. All right. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. <laughs> was Al Franken 
Or, or was, or you don't know? Ones? Are you serious? You don't know? No, I, I know Saturday Night Live. I don't. You don't know, know the Deep Thought deep segment. Thoughts oh segment. man, it was, was it called Deep Thoughts? Yeah. What was that? Yeah. Or was that? No, it wasn't. Or deep was thoughts. that um, David Letterman that had the Deep Thoughts? Oh, I don't know. One you of the late are, night ones. You yeah. guys are really selling the pagan culture to me. <laughs> Thanks. We'll look it up later. We'll let you know. <laughs> All right, Crystal. Do you have any go-to theological podcasts? Well, I will uh, say Apologetics Canada. The Apologetics podcast is awesome. That so is, shout out to Andy and them. Right in the same room. In this room. I know. It's great. But in terms of, because I love teaching the Bible, my favorite teaching the Bible podcast is called Help Me Teach the Bible, and it's hosted by Nancy Guthrie, who is great, and she interviews all kinds of men and women who are teaching the Bible all over the world, um, people all over, yeah, all over wherever she travels. She's t- interviewing people, and once a week a new podcast comes out, so it'll be on either teaching different topics or teaching different books of the Bible. It's good for men and for women to listen to, so Help mm. Me Teach the Bible. It's a great one. Awesome. Ezra, how about you? Uh, there is one by a theologian called Michael Horton, and the mm. podcast is called White Horse Inn, um, and it's it's a very deep theological um, po- podcast. I mean, Michael Horton has been doing this for many, many, many years, and I find his work um, very refreshing, but also very theologically deep. So that's one podcast that I would say would be interesting. And then there are others by Al Mohler. Um, mm-hmm. That's, hold on, that, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. We're, that, oh. we're on theological podcasts, we'll get into other kinds. That's like a, I'm going to say that's like a news current event with but, a Christian. But, but, yeah, but, but, no, 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 he has, he has several podcasts. Okay, that's okay, not, just the, not only the briefing. One. No, it's not the briefing. Okay, give us the other yeah, one. Yeah, so Al Mola, uh, if you go to his website, he also has various podcasts where he's interviewing different people theologically and asking um, their, their take on contemporary issues. So, for example, he has one interesting podcast there that he did a number of years ago on yoga, hmm. which I would <laughs> highly recommend. Of course. Favorite. Let me guess, he is uh, pro yoga. Uh, hmm. <laughs> no, I would. I'm not giving. I'm not going to give it away. I'm just going to say, yeah, he, he. If you he, like it, we know what his stance is. Can we just say that everyone knows what his stance is? So I'd say again, um, uh, Almola does some some good work there. So I mean, the briefing is not is. Uh, I would say I mean he's always dealing with contemporary issues, but that's uh, totally different. Uh, but he has different podcasts that deal with uh, a lot of Christian things and helping Christians think Christianly uh, about contemporary issues. And so he has all sorts of guests who he interviews and so on. All right. So let's move on to a type of podcast. And, you know, Jeff always brings up the be a sieve, not a sponge. So as Christians, when we think about Mm -hmm. culture and media and the things we're watching, listening to, do you guys have any go-to podcasts or even just resources, blogs, whatever, that talk uh, about how we as Christians should interact with culture. Uh, one that I've been a podcast I've been listening to uh, recently, and uh, it's called "This Cultural Moment," and uh, it's featuring a guy named Mark Sayers. He's an Australian pastor and uh, kind of a I don't know. He's like a cultural Sherpa for Christians. He he helps us think through why we are where we are in the in the current uh, state of cultural thinking. So, and that's co-hosted, right, with the guy co-hosted from... by someone from a, a church in John, Portland, John yeah. Mark Howell. Nope, mm, something, something. I actually have been researching his church just because they're doing a, a building campaign, mm-hmm. and I discovered them and that podcast last week just through that research, and it's excellent. Yeah, it's a very good podcast. It's if you're interested in learning a little bit about why we. How we got to where we are as a kind of post-Christian culture, uh, that would be a, a good place to start. Tim Keller always has great resources that way too. Tim Keller's a great co- cultural commentary kind of guy. Um, in terms of just something we've developed in home, uh, because we have lots of women reading lots of books and wondering, wanting us to kind of tell them what are good books and what aren't, we've developed our own, we call it a discernment grid that we send out to people and say, look at these things as you read through through scripture. So if any, or no, not through scripture, through a book that you find at a bookstore, look for these things to see whether someone's being biblically accurate or culturally engaging in a good way. So if that is something you'd like to have, I could email it to you. Yeah, so there there are a number of um, number of articles and also podcasts that uh, people can listen to. So culturally, I would go to so Crossway 
uh, is an organization that makes uh, basically Bibles, ESV. Uh, they are the publisher of ESV. And so crossway.com, I believe, is a website. And they have multiple articles mm-hmm. on cultural, culturally relevant issues mm-hmm. that are written just for the common day-to-day Christian. And they deal with all sorts of issues, youth-related, women, ministry, men, how, do, how should we think about certain things. So I find Crossway to be very engaging. Sometimes they also post uh, uh, podcasts where they're interacting with a special guest on a, a specific topic. So I find that interesting. Also, uh, the Gospel Coalition mm-hmm. also has a ton of articles mm-hmm. I I usually go to the U.S. site that has way more content because they also have content, um, Gospel Coalition Canada, Gospel Coalition Africa, and South America, and things like that. They also have different articles and content for, for different viewers based on where you're at. They also uh, have an app, which I downloaded a month or so ago. Yeah. And all the articles are uploaded there. It's really mm-hmm. easy to use, very user-friendly. So. And they have a whole podcast section in their app that I found yeah. recently that you can go and scroll through them and then download those podcasts directly to their app so you can listen to it offline later. It's a really great mm. resource if yeah. you have a smartphone and you download <laughs> if you don't applications. Have a flip phone? Speaking of your... apps, real quickly, does Northview need an app? A lot of churches have apps. Listeners, do you want an app? Is this something we should explore or not? Would you use it? Would you not? There's lots of things we could do with it, but at the end of the day, if no one's going to use it, then why? I even think bother? I, I think the big the big question would be what would be on that app because yeah. I often um, I mean mm-hmm. uh, th- there are many applications on my phone, but I often find that there are certain go to apps yeah, that totally. I go to. So if I want to listen to you, I go to BBC quickly, and then I look at Google a little bit. I go to uh, my sports yeah. uh, app. So there are certain go to apps that I go to. So uh, the Northview app would be interesting if the content yeah. was current and always changing. So daily mm-hmm. deep thoughts from Ezra. Don't in don't tweet see, sizes. Ha, 140 characters. Have you guys found this though? I've I've found that my my thumbs have like a habit of a like of a rotation on my phone of like apps I'll check throughout the day like you know I'll check this app and then I'll check that one and this one. Right. There there's something to like the daily routine of my life, having a phone and then clicking on these different applications to see what content's in there. Right. So I, the value I see of an app is simply that it could potentially, if it's good enough, get into people's thumb habits, that it yeah. would be a thing that they click on. And if the content's valuable enough and relevant enough, that it might be a way we could communicate. I think with it just people. has to be good enough because there's some apps that I've never opened yes. or opened once right. and yeah. they're still sitting there on my phone. Yeah, you open once and then you wait a couple of minutes. Oh, yeah, let me go there and see what's there. It's, a pretty, but it's yeah. not a draw there, but yeah. but I think about the sports app I have, BBC yeah, News totally. app that I have. So that I go there like f- multiple times a day yeah. because I'm interested in current affairs. I'm interested in the news, what's going on. I'm interested in my sports teams, how they're doing. As if there was a live cam following you around and that was just the app. I would I would download it and I would check it a few times a day. I'd be like, "What is he up to now?" You know, the Bible app and all that. So, so yeah, you can so there's certain in, apps right? that I go to uh, on a very regular basis. And so, like, to, to your question, the bigger question would be: I, I think the question would be to the listeners: What kind of content would you like to see on a Northview app? Content that would make you be uh, make you come back to that app on a on a daily basis, on a very regular basis, and it's one of your top five apps. What would you like to see? That would be an interesting discussion, and I'd love to, to, to see what our listeners say. And then because Crystal's our pastor of discipleship at the Down Zero campus, then she can just fill in all the content. That's right. right. I got right. nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. Um, Add it here, to my job here's, description. Here's, here's one of the things I've seen just in, in researching some of these apps and, and playing with them and looking at them um, is and this is a bigger discussion, is that through the app, you can give mm. to the church. Mm-hmm. As something historically the church, our church, has never done, is make it very easy to give if you don't have cash. And uh, that's that's an avenue that I think is very interesting. And I've, mm-hmm. I've listened to a few podcasts where churches have adopted this method and in a service, they, you know, let's say they have a guest speaker or they're talking about local missions. They can, they can literally say, you know what, you can take out your phone right now, open up our app, push give, and we have an option there to give to this missions fund. Or you hmm. just set, set your fund and collect that donation right now. 
and obviously there's the monthly and ongoing yeah and i think giving. yeah i think i mean the, 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 there are obviously various uh, avenues that many churches have taken and being able to give through an app i think at the end of the day it has to be tied to a credit card that is charged in many cases and uh, one of the things that our elders and our stewardship committee have been working through and wrestling with is okay the idea of hmm. debt and burdening people with more debt so uh, at the end of the day is giving giving if you're driving people into a deeper debt and so it has been this uh, theological debate mm-hmm. and uh, just a, a conversation that has been had back and forth back and forth i think i think we're getting closer and closer to a day where we are seeing a lot of young adults never carry cash and so a lot mm. of people use credit cards so are we then Im- impeding people from giving? Yes. Uh, because yeah. So 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 of course you as a millennial obviously <laughs> you say yes. Yeah yeah. So so I and and I think and I think our elders or stewardship um, committee are hearing that loud and clear to say yes. A lot of young adults, young people, young families are saying you know what we deal with credit cards. We we know how to manage your money well and all that stuff. We t-. so they are hearing the message and I think we are very close to a day when we are going to say yes opportunities to give via credit card and that opens up giving through an app texting in and things like that text to give Th- that day is coming I, I don't think we're too I, far away from the that. people i've talked to in our friend circle or just I, I just throw these ideas past people and overwhelmingly i haven't heard a single person who's had a negative thing to say about it mm. as is in like yeah we are this is how we are used to paying for things Right. And it's not when you bring up debt. I'm like, that's not debt. I don't. I don't carry debt on my credit card. Some people do, and I think we, as a church, need to be very careful that if and when we tell people, here's an option in a service that you can give, that it doesn't come as any type of emotional manipulation or guilt or like, mm-hmm. give now, give sacrificially, you know, sow the seed, all this stuff. It's like, no, like this is just an option. Give you that. To, don't go into debt to, right. to do this. Right. It's how we frame it, but it's also recognizing that anyone under 30 is probably their preferred method. I do everything right. by checks. <laughs> Cashier's travel checks. I just have tra- <laughs> cashier's <laughs> traveler's <laughs> checks <laughs> everywhere in my house. I'm like, hey, Sarah, where's my checkbook? Yeah. You find my checkbook? We got to go to Western Union. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I, I think I think again, like 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 I said, I think the day is coming for sure. Uh, that that has been just a, a dilemma for a lot of our totally. of our uh, committee members and elders, just to say, are we are we driving people deep into debt? Here's another cool thing I heard on this podcast. This one church that they interviewed, they did this thing where they like once a month or whenever they did it, they would take a three sixteen offering, or in the service John they would say, yeah, they would say, yeah. okay. It's time to do our 316 offering. What does that mean? And they they would say, all right, everyone, you can pull out your phone and give. And all we're asking you to do is give $3.16. But all the money that comes in through this giving is going into a pool, and we are going to bless someone or some ministry in our local community with that money that we've raised through that $3.16. And once a month, they're able to do something really cool in the community with, you know, the price of a latte. They should have picked like First Chronicles 11:14. <laughs> We're doing Isaiah 62. <laughs> <laughs> 62 bucks. Yeah, that's inflation for you, Come on, right? guys, yeah. that's only I mean, like those are, those a are Canucks cre- ticket. I mean, those those are creative creative ways to get people to give for sure. I mean, We're going to get into the Psalms yeah, next month. I mean, for us, for us, I would say I mean, we have the benevolent offering where we we use the those care, funds. I, 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 when have I or millennials given to the care offering? Every single time. And it doesn't matter how many times you warn me. I'm not going to the ATM the week before to go get cash. And every single time I go, ah, dang, I yeah, don't have it. Totally get you. I, I, I totally hear you. Yeah, but but at the same time, I think uh, there are there are many people who um, see there is there is an there is a there is a, um, what do you call it this uh, debit machine. Mm-hmm. That's what in, I use. Yeah, there's a debit machine in the foyer where a lot of people would come and then if they're using like their debit card and things, they would give mm-hmm. uh, through that. People also, if you do online banking, you can also uh, email the church your 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 yeah. your, your gift as well E-transfer, so yeah. you can e-transfer can you can also get on automatic withdrawal you could do automatic I've, withdrawal I've, I've as well i've received the form 
Yeah. But there's one too many steps. Now I got to fill it out. Now I got to drop oh, it off. Gosh. Like there's just, there's like three steps. Can I one s- too many. Can I he send my, let my me do credit- it on my phone. It's done. Can I send my credit card rewards points to the church? <laughs> that would be your tithing instead of tithing. Of you can. <laughs> well, we receive gifts in kind and stuff like that. I, I, I don't People know. People can I give land. I, I think, I think, again, those are very good questions that I think our finance department would begin would right. be able to sort out but let's yeah. move, but on, move on but yeah. remember yes. listeners you can sow the seed on northview.org <laughs> oh gosh just kidding you <laughs> oh actually my. can't <laughs> not yet uh, you know what we're gonna segue and we're gonna make a announcement this past week uh jeff from the stage uh made an announcement about the christmas comedy uh night that is happening in December. I think there's like four or five nights in a row starting around December 12th. 12th. Mm-hmm. And it's a great event at the mm-hmm. church that is featuring three comedians. And that's the, like Jeff said, the aim is not a bait and switch. The aim is to have a good evening of entertainment and a short, I'm sure, message about the gospel. Five minutes, he said something like that. But it's really just a way to invite friends, neighbors to the church to enjoy a great Christmas evening, to laugh and you know, also in the hopes that these were able to bring people who might not want to come on a Sunday morning or a Saturday mm-hmm. night to to come inside the doors of a church. Um, yeah. So here's my announcement: is hey, buy tickets online. Think about who you can bring to this. But I also want to make that a segue into um, how we are engaging our neighbors and our friends uh, with the gospel. And, and what are some of the ways, the appropriate ways, what are the recommended ways that we as Christians can introduce our, our non-Christian friends to the church? And what are those strategies? And I, I'm, I've been wrestling with this too, with a particular um, neighbor of mine of, of having some of these conversations and thinking, man, I think the time is coming where I want to invite them to church. And yet, there's often a reason why it just doesn't happen, or I don't actually make the invite. And then I sit in church and I go, "Ooh, I'm actually glad it wasn't this weekend because I don't know if it would be received well." Mm. Mm. Um, whereas other services, it's like, "Oh man, this was the one. This mm. was the one to bring a new mm. a new person in." And mm-hmm. which gets me thinking: Okay, is Sunday morning or Saturday night is the mm. is the sermon or the main? worship gathering the first introduction that our non-believing friends should have with the church um whereas this comedy night brings up an alternative and i just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that as 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 our congregants as our members are engaging with our neighbors what what do you guys think about that i think we can always trust that if people come the spirit mm. of god will work through the message preached and the word spoken and he will speak to the people, you know, as they need to hear it. Um, I've been sometimes in those kind of services where I've I've known someone's in the room that isn't a Christian and I've been cringing as I've heard something said from the stage and yet that person has come back and I'm always amazed at how God actually draws people to himself and softens people to the message of the gospel. So I think we shouldn't necessarily be shy or second guessing what's going on, but I think looking for events that might be introductory is great. Like we had a women's conference last year Um, well, two years ago now, but it was on fear, right? And so we said, like, fear is something that everybody deals with. So if you tell your friends to come and talk about this whole issue of fear, and as long as they know we're talking from a biblical perspective, so they don't walk in the door and feel like they've been hijacked or given Mm -hmm. something that they're not um, wanting to participate in, invite them to come. And so we had, I think out of the 350 women, I think there were 85 people who weren't affiliated with the church that came with a friend because they wanted to talk about this topic of fear. How do we deal with anxiety, fear, worry in our lives? And so... From a church perspective, I think if we can offer more of those kind of pieces, like even things like divorce care and grief share and meeting people where they're at so that they can walk into the doors of the church and be engaging with the gospel in that way, yeah, but that's great. I, that's mm-hmm. from a corporate point of view. And then mm-hmm. a personal point of view, I think it's just that building those relationships mm-hmm. as much as we can get to know the people around us and, mm-hmm. and start conversations that are... Yeah, a spiritual focus. Yeah, I think I think uh, Crystal, uh, I'd agree with you there. I think us offering programs that would be uh, helpful to the wider community is great. And again, we being no few, big enough and and able to provide such a service for people is 
usually great. I'm thinking about uh, if if people are listening to this podcast, you're probably part, you were part of Northview, but now you've moved away and now you live in a small community. And the small community church that you now attend mm-hmm. does not have an opportunity to have programs that would be, they don't have the staffing or mm-hmm. the 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 the. the um, mm-hmm. The resources to provide support for neighbors. So how do you do that? I think Mark Birch, he preached a number of weeks ago, and he talked about a principle that is found in a book called The Art of Neighboring. Mm-hmm. And in this book, so think about, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, the game tic-tac-toe. So you have your nine boxes, your nine squares. So you're the middle square. And in your neighborhood, you have about uh, eight neighbors around you. And so there are four specific questions that... Uh, you could ask yourself, the first would be, do you know your neighbors, the Mm -hmm. eight people around you? Do you know their first name? Second question, do you know uh, both their names? Third, do you know anything significant about their lives? And then fourth, do you know what their spiritual status is? Are they religious? Do they go to church? Are they atheists? Like, what are they? And so I think, um, first, we just have to begin knowing the person who is beside you. Be it at work, be it in your home, be it in a in a gym. Somewhere. Do you know the people around you, mm-hmm. and and how much do you know about them? And so I think when you begin to care for people, and show a genuine interest in in their lives, then I think opportunities to articulate the gospel and share the gospel with them, uh, those opportunities come. And as they come, opportunities to invite them to come to a church for them to observe and then you can go out for lunch and then you can debrief what they saw what did they like what did they not like what did they find weird what did they find engaging what you know what about the singing what about the guy who was preaching why do you pray why do you give mm-hmm. uh, and and all this so you are answering questions but from a from a standpoint of relationship rather than seeking to convert someone of course we we want to share the good news of Jesus and then leave the the saving um, work to the Spirit of God to draw that person to to a place of repentance, but I think for us it's just to develop relationships, know their names, both of them, mm. something significant about their lives, and also their spiritual journey. Their yeah. spiritual journey. Yeah, I think the uh, the choice to listen well mm-hmm. to people is really valuable. I th- I'm not an expert or a like a model your evangelism after me kind of guy, but some things I try to do, or I, I do try to listen well to people, and I try to hear in their opposition to Christianity, what is it? Is it intellectual? Is mm-hmm. it emotional? Mm-hmm. Is it relational? What what's the, what's the story? What's the baggage? What's the framework they're even coming to this conversation with? What kind of, in, in my neighborhood, what kind of religious or uh, national backgrounds are they coming from that would maybe make Christianity not be as immediately understandable if I was just launch into a, a gospel um, articulation, not not as though that's the Spirit of God will use the gospel as the power for salvation. So yes, we need to articulate the gospel because the gospel is the power for salvation. But I think us interpersonally relating with one another by listening well, and mm-hmm. I think one of our strongest tools outside of listening well is when we're talking about our faith and they ask us questions when we say, I don't actually know. I don't know the answer. If we know the answer, we can give it. And if we don't know the answer, to just own it, that actually, I don't know that. That's a great, I can, I'm going to email some people that know more about the faith than I do and see what they, where, where they would lead me and give the impression, not just the impression, but be honest with them to the point where you say, look, I'm, as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, embedded in that is this idea that I need to learn more about what it means to yes. follow Jesus. So yes. regardless of how long you've been following him for, you have edges and limits and fences on your mind and your thinking about what you know to be true. So rather than us trying to be perceived as the answer man, the answer woman, to just say what we know to be true, and when we don't know, say we don't know. And I actually do think the invitation to things like Christmas Eve services and Easter services are really great on-ramps for people, because we've designed those services to be intentionally engaging and um, having been prepared for engaging with a larger number of skeptics and unchurched and dechurched people than maybe our more typical weekend. Although a guy like Andy Steiger is really helpful to have on staff because he's always pushing us to say, look, if you're not talking 
in ways that people who have never come to church are going to understand, then people who don't come to church are never going to actually come. Because you're talking like your own little Christianese language that people don't even understand what you're actually saying. So so hopefully when you do bring your, your neighbors to church, it's accessible, even if it isn't directly pointed to people who don't yet follow Jesus. If our primary goal is to to clarify the gospel to people regardless of their, I hope the language yeah. is accessible enough. Yeah. I think one thing I'd add, I truly agree with you about listening well, and I think it's also being really honest with non-Christian people in our life about our own struggles and mm-hmm. our own grief and our own sorrows and our own, so that they see that Christian life isn't, doesn't mean that you have everything all together and that you, life always goes great for you and that if they can see you holding on to God, holding on to faith in the midst of your own struggles, I think that's a witness and a testimony on its own. Yeah, I think this is a great segue just to talk about this uh, last sermon, and it's too bad Jeff's not here since he preached it, but um, on Romans 13, and being a good neighbor, that was the main thrust of the message, is, is um, loving your neighbor and using the, the Good Samaritan as, as one of the key passages uh, to reference. Um, I like what you guys were just saying there about... You know, just thinking about even before, as we're developing relationships with our neighbors, you know, inviting them into our lives and seeing, you know, how we live, mm-hmm. what the gospel has done for us, what that looks like for our family, our, how we approach work, how we approach all kinds of things, and and developing those relationships, perhaps even before probably in many cases before we invite them to church events. Um, But I think that just, yeah, let's just dive into talking a little bit about what it means to be a good neighbor and going beyond just evangelism, but serving our neighbors, getting to know them. Um, The bigger question, who is our neighbor? What is asked of us? And, And the thing that stood out to me as I was walking out of that, I had my mind spinning with all these thoughts and ideas and on my way out, I found myself beside beside a friend of mine from church, and we just started chatting. And he said, wow, you know, yeah, great, great sermon, very challenging, but I think the biggest thing keeping me from being a good neighbor is time. Hmm. I feel like my life is so busy that whenever I'm confronted with getting involved with something or someone that was not in my schedule, hmm. I'm always thinking about, oh, if I stop to talk, if I stop to help, well, this is going to throw me off for the rest of the day. And I'm that got me thinking of, man, I think that is hitting kind of the nail on the head of, of what probably a lot of our lives are like. And I started to reflect on that too and thought about my own life and how that's all often the case of how this is going to affect me and my timing. And then just chatting with Greg a little bit, he thought that's a great question for Ezra. Because mm. the whole notion of like, you're on African time is you're so late, different. You're late to every meeting I've ever <laughs> booked with you in my life since I've been here in 2010. Wow. Anytime like I've a, had a meeting you with you. have a running log, late. do you? Yeah, because like, yeah, time matters, Ezra. <laughs> All of Ezra's oh my, meetings, oh he's scheduled word. for all of his meetings at quarter two, <laughs> and everyone else is scheduled on the hour, oh so man. that he arrives on time. Oh, you guys are but, such but liars. Talk to me about okay. that. Why, why is it different in, in, like, like in a lot of cultures, not just African culture, but almost everywhere you go around the world, they approach time differently than we do. Why is that? Ezra, speak into that. Because, because I think Western culture is very task-driven. And other parts of the world, we are people-driven. We are relationship-driven. So Mm -hmm. you you come to an African context, if you have a problem, if you have an issue, then the task can wait because the person is more important than the task. Now, uh, Westerners would push back uh, at me and say, okay, but Ezra, how do you guys get things done then? I mean, how do you get things done? To which my response is, yeah, it's not about getting the thing done. The the process matters. Mm. So for, for people in Africa, the process 
matters where I, I i i love the person who's beside me i care for them and things like that in in the western world your your identity is often shaped by shaped by your success and the things you have so you have a big house you have a big bank account you have all the bling and all that stuff yeah then you're respected in africa it's okay do you belong to to, to a group of people uh so you may be as poor as a church mouse but you belong to a community that's where your identity is but if you're rich but you don't belong then in in an in a third world setting then you're nothing your stuff your stuff doesn't matter because at the end of the day you will die and your children will take it and use it and spend it but you have community around you so that's the difference between the two the the the, the cultures around uh, around the world so uh, just to 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 jump onto what you're talking about when you're saying okay so uh sharing uh, the gospel and developing relationships and people being busy i think uh, uh, a response to that of course we are all busy but in 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 the midst of our tight schedules we interact with people and so the question then becomes okay in the world that we live in fast paced busy and all that stuff your neighbor may not necessarily always be the person who's living beside you it could be the person uh seated beside you in a bus it could be someone uh sitting beside you in the next office in your workplace so your neighbor would be someone who's next to you in whatever context you're in mm-hmm. the bigger question is um in what way are you dear christian making disciples and i think it's it's something that we need to begin prayerfully thinking about to say okay the the great commission was not just given to pastor crystal because she's a pastor at north your ezra or jeff or, or or greg or whoever but the great commission was given to all of us where we ought to be making disciples so in the context where we are at in the business of our schedule if you take your kids to baseball okay how are you making how are you developing relationships that would lead to disciple making in that context if you're a salesperson in your workplace how are you developing relationships that will lead to making disciples in that context because again the scriptures don't give you an out because you are busy the scriptures will call you to say you know what you need to make disciples in your context so i think that's partly a heart issue like are you willing to stop and put some of your things on hold for the sake of people like so that's partly a, a value issue that you have to make in your own mind but then i think it's also like you said just looking rather than feeling like oh i need to add this to my list i need to add this to my list of my weekly activities of just saying like where am i already right mm-hmm. like you're saying i'm already at baseball practice mm-hmm. i'm already at this mm-hmm. thing i'm already at the school between 3 and 3:30 every day to pick up my kids i'm already at and how can right. i take advantage of that time i'm already spending um, for the sake of the gospel how can i be intentional with it right yeah. and again it 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 begins with building relationships knowing someone's first name and then knowing both their names and then something significant about their lives and then their relig- so again i i the uh, jeff and i um you know, as we travel for church business and all that there is a pastor in toronto who is leading a phenomenal ministry there and so one of the questions that jeff he and he and jeff were interacting regarding okay so how do you reach uh, the skeptics of toronto with the gospel how do you break inroads i mean that's a very liberal part of the world of, of the country and a lot of ideas and things like that so he was arguing to say you know what giving people like apologetics wouldn't work right off the bat in toronto why because yeah you can come up you can come with all these big ideas but people will be like look at you and say yeah we don't care we don't care we don't believe we don't believe but what will reach a torontonian even though they may have all these skeptical questions about god and the afterlife and all these things if you begin to to show them you care mm-hmm. and you and you build genuine relationships with them you know them you know their life you know about what's going on their mom's passing or whatever the case may be a significant thing then you bring faith yes they will still have these skeptical questions but they will be way more open to hearing the gospel that you will be proclaiming to them because you led with hey what's your name what about your names what do you do what your family story like and where you from and so you're developing just a genuine relationship that will lead god willing to opportunities for you to share your faith in jesus mm. and that's where it begins just yep. knowing people mm. yeah the only thing i would add is that i think this is why one of the challenges we have as um as people in leadership roles in the church is to the temptation to try to reach or uh, solve the outreach problems by developing more and more mm-hmm. programs where we need volunteers to come and do the thing and run the thing and all of that. 
because of because we're such a time sensitive culture, uh, it the more we programatize, the less we provide people opportunities to engage with the gospel where they're at because mm-hmm. we're asking them to stop doing their thing so they can do this thing at the church. And this thing at the church is going to reach the non the, the non church mm-hmm. people. So leave your baseball your coaching. baseball coaching oh, yeah. because we need you to serve at this thing. And so it feels very, very counterintuitive right. when we see the needs of people to hear the gospel. And oftentimes our gut react I'll just say mine, my gut reaction to things is if I want to do this and I want this to happen at our church, then we need to like build a program that gets volunteers involved in that kind of stuff. And it's just as it's counterintuitive. But we actually need to trust that God has put people in neighborhoods in schools, in workplaces. In, in the Christian church, there needs to be this culture shift where it seems like, hey, bring your neighbor to church so that the professional, mm-hmm. Jeff Bucknam, can mm-hmm. tell this person the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so in some, totally. ways, in some ways, it is sad that the gift of evangelism has been, uh, has been almost... It's, it's professionalized. Almost like a, yeah, professionalized, and yeah. it's almost dead mm. in the church today. People who are evangelists by nature, and, and also all of us just being tasked, you know, you need to feel the, the weight of, okay, how am I participating in the Great Commission? How am I uh, engaging the Great Commission in my day-to-day life, in, in, in the own sphere? And I, again, I don't want people to feel pressured. Mm. To, oh, you're a bad Christian if you're not doing this. But the bigger question is, okay, so let's just think about creatively. How are we engaging those around us with this glorious message that we believe? Like Jesus coming back again. He'll make all things new. When we die, we go to heaven. And God is for us. Who can be against us? This is a, this is a good message. So how are we then going to share it with, with those who don't know. And I think that's just generally what I've seen and heard from this church as a as a non-pastor, non-pastor, non-staff member, uh, but being involved in various ministries over the years is that the recurring theme is that, and I've struggled with, my, with this in my own life, just even how I shared my story of wrestling with when to bring my, you know, friend to church is, mm-hmm. is battling that mindset of that's what's going to be the thing mm-hmm. and recognizing that what I'm hearing from the leaders often from Jeff, from you, Ezra, and from everyone that I interact with is, you know, the church isn't here to do everything for mm-hmm. you. If you call Northview your home, our, our role as pastors and as leaders in this church is to equip you with the tools the tool kit or the toolbox or whatever to go out to where you are and take that message to reach out, to be a good neighbor. Yeah. And when that time comes for them to, to, to come and hear the professional preach the word, it's not a foreign thing to them because they've already been hearing it. They've been having those conversations. They're, mm. They've been primed by just having a relationship with you and seeing uh, how you live. Right. Um, and we all live in neighborhoods and we have neighbors and interactions with people who who might not know Jesus but the one of the challenges of pastoral ministry is that we have fewer on ramps with people like I spend a lot of my time with Christians right and so I have to work I, I have to get out of my mm-hmm. normal routine to engage with people who don't yet know Jesus and yet the benefit of the body is that it's almost flipped they they have to go out of their way to find Christian community and yet God has put them as the tip of the spear for the mission of the church in all these different places of society. In and the so, mechanics shop and in the whatever. So that, that's yeah, why and, as yeah. a body, we are we all need to play our part because you have access as a listener on your commute home from your job in Vancouver back to your neighborhood. You, you have different kinds of access to people. That doesn't get pastors off the hook to just not engage with, with people who are in their neighborhood, but it is, I'm just saying that to show the the amazing role that every single Christian plays in engaging their areas of influence with the gospel mm-hmm. wherever they've been placed. An illustration that I've given in the past and when preaching on these issues <laughs> would be uh, there are people who are listening here who are really struggling financially right now. Mm. And, and the scriptures will teach that the Lord is the one who elevates and then the Lord is the one who humbles, right? So you may be faithful in your business, but it's not, you're not cutting it. There are other people in business who are not Christian who are in the same status as you. Now you have access to those kinds of people where you can now articulate the gospel 
and, and, and share the gospel with people who are in the same level. There are people listening to this podcast who are very wealthy. Hmm. And financially, f- finances are not an issue for you. Again, there are certain places where you will go, places hmm. you'll holiday that hmm. the regular folk here would, would never go. Again, that is access that the Lord has hmm. given you through your wealth. Mm-hmm. There are people who are CEOs. Who CEOs will hang out with CEOs, teachers will hang out with teachers, you carpenters will hang out with carpenters, builders will hang out with builders. So again, that, to 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 your point, Greg, God has given us, mm-hmm. placed us wherever He has placed us, to give us access to the people around us where we can now build relationships mm-hmm. that God willing will lead to a clear articulation of the gospel. And you know, illustrations are awesome. I love them. Stories are great. I would love to be able to share real mm-hmm. stories of what people in our church are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some, we have uh, many, um, but I also want to ask our listeners, hey, if mm. you know of people, you know, here's the thing, I've, I've asked before, hey, tell me what you are doing. I don't want to tell you what I'm doing, Adam. Not, I'm not asking yeah. you, Greg. Oh, okay. But <laughs> we are a humble people, so we don't get a lot of people responding and saying, yes, I, this is how I reach my neighbors. I have a very great tactic. Um, but, if you know someone, mm-hmm. if you have a friend or if you know someone in your life that is using their sphere of influence, no matter what it is, whether it's coaching, whether it's business, whether it's volunteerism, whatever it is, and they are active in finding ways to share the gospel and be a good neighbor, even mm-hmm. through service and mm-hmm. through making themselves available, um, you know, we've shared the story of Jamie Yarima many times and the village kids at uh, EV Free and serving that neighborhood with the gifts they've been given. That's a, that's an, an amazing example. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to hear about that because ultimately if we're doing our job, if the pastors here and the ministries here are doing their jobs, we're not the ones with the intimate knowledge of the stories of lives being changed because it's not always happening here in our doors. It's happening out there. It's happening mm-hmm. through you, through our people, through our meals with neighbors, through service, through those things. And and we want to hear about that. We want to celebrate that. We want to, I believe, stories like this can inspire others and inspire us to reflect on how we can do likewise. So share those stories with us. There's a plug then that just to segue to that, there's a plug that I like to give. So November 17th at 3 p.m., there's a baptism service happening right here at Northview. Mm. And one of the places where you can hear stories of how lives have been transformed and people discipled and have come to saving faith, man, you hear stories of people being baptized. It will blow your mind, the grace of God, mm. working through regular people to lead others to saving faith. So, Crystal, I believe you're putting together a baptism service for the 17th, am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have 17 people right now being baptized. And so, yeah, even if you don't know anybody being baptized, it's yeah. an encouragement to your faith, and you will be an encouragement to them if you come and support them and cheer them on and say that you're going to be walking with them in the faith. Yeah, and just yeah. hear their stories, yeah. which are really awesome. Now, you're even putting together the booklet with testimonies and you're interacting with these people you're doing the baptism classes do you have any you don't have to name names but do you have any like what what are the themes how are Mm -hmm. people coming to this place where they're feeling like it's time for me to get baptized is it because they're sitting listening to a sermon or is there a balance of yes it's that but it's also this like what are you hearing? Yeah, so too bad Stephanie doesn't have the mic because she's been doing all the work for me. <laughs> I haven't got to read all through the testimonies yet, but so much of it is through relationship. Um, there's one couple who, you know, it was basically the wife, like just praying for her husband for years that he had kind of a nominal Christian faith, but it just wasn't going deep. And she just prayed and prayed and prayed and tried to be a great wife to him, right? And over time, God just used those prayers and the mm. conversation to just break down his heart and to just make him be on fire for the Lord. Another woman I talked to today came from a Catholic background and just felt like God was always kind of distant and has just been really reintroduced lately to this personal idea of a God who cares and loves her. So, yeah. And I think if we think uh, biblically about what baptism is, it's someone who is publicly declaring that they have experienced the conversion of going from spiritually dead to alive in Jesus. What we should be cautious of is not only celebrating the stories that sound miraculous to us, 
but as we root ourselves in the gospel story, that because of sin, we are all dead in our trespasses and destined to destruction, and the Spirit comes and enables us to see the gospel. That narrative, that miracle is true of everyone, whether or not they were a Catholic for 40 years and and finally heard the God, or whether or not they were a husband who was away from the faith for a long time, or if they were like a 12-year-old kid mm-hmm. who came to faith in the context of a local uh, church because their, Christ, their, their parents are Christians who prayed for them and taught them the gospel, that's as much a miracle. Totally. And so I think in our context, it's easy for us to celebrate the, the crazy stories that no one would have saw that person come to, like Kanye came to faith. That's amazing. Yeah. It's not amazing when like little Christopher, who's seven, came to faith. That's not a miracle. That's just good parenting. Right. We need to remind ourselves of what, what's actually true. Yep. That both Kanye and seven-year-old Christopher are equally miracles of the Spirit of God enabling them to see the beauties of the gospel. Absolutely. And then as we see them pr- proclaim their faith publicly and be baptized upon confession of faith, we can celebrate at what a good God we serve, that he takes dead rebels and makes them living children. Amen. So that's a great plug for the baptism service on November 17th at the Downs Road campus at... 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mission Campus is also having a baptism service that weekend, but it's in their Sunday service. Um, so if you're in Mission, check that out as well. And we're flooding the gym at ACS, and we're going to just be on Poonoldos. Poonoldos. <laughs> Do, this, do the baptism service there. Get to wreck that basketball floor. Totally. They're going to be so happy. We'll put with the you. mat down. It'll be fine. The yeah. mat, the mat will be down, but it'll be, it'll be. Bring your, bathing, bring your bathing suit. No, we'll be at. Uh, we're going to invite people from East Debbie to go at, oh, at dude, 3 there was, PM. There was, so there was a church in Chicago that um, I visited a Sunday night service, and people came into the service not knowing that it was a baptism service. Anyway, so the pastor, they sang, they really sang well, and everything, and then the pastor came and spoke a little bit about baptism. Now, congregants had no idea that it was a baptism service. And then the pastor said, you know what? You could be baptized right now. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? You could be baptized right now. Then people say, oh, but, you know, I don't have the clothes. I don't have this. I don't have that. Oh, don't worry. We got you. And then they had bags of cha- clothes to change and all that stuff. If you want to bap- get baptized, you get baptized right now. Mm-hmm. And so he invites people to come down, dude. Like there was an army of people coming down to be baptized. So he went downstairs to their basement because it was a little cold. And so people started getting baptized. Like there were about 40 people hmm. who were baptized in this church. In this church service. So I'm like, wow, <laughs> wow, what a way to get people baptized. Take away the excuses but, right there. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they just like turn the sprinklers on. Oh, no, 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 no. They're no, like, no, boom, numbers. No, 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 no. They full immersion, head in, everything. Perfect. Yeah. It was interesting. It was very interesting. Maybe we should do that at East Abbotsford Campus. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Totally. We'll flood a classroom. Uh, I just want to make one more plug before we go. A reminder that the AGM is coming up November 26th uh, at the Downs Road Campus at 7 p.m. You should come. All right. Thanks for listening.